Hello and welcome to another podcast. It is Coach Mark Manila here from ESL, BusinessEnglishExperts.com and Initial-Impact.com. Hope you're well and wherever you're listening in the world, having a good part of your weekend or if you're working, um, then yeah, take it easy. Try to find some time for you. I know how challenging that can be. Um, today, this podcast is a little bit different. Um, what I'm trying to do is mix things um, along with what I'm sharing with you to try and help with your IELTS or your interviews or your immigration wishes, whatever it is you're trying to do. But I also want to include some topics that are kind of, um, yeah, controversial, maybe. I'm going to give you a lot of different ideas, maybe, and change perceptions, possibly, or at least challenge them. Um, of course, it's going to be packed full of nice vocab that you can listen to here. But really, um, the point of these is to make it interesting and debatable. I want to stimulate some sort of debate. Um, I'd love it if uh, if you had a point of view, if you wanted to ring in to the uh, the episode here, you can hit the call button on Spotify and leave me a voice message about what you think um, in response to the topics that I mention. Um, it's always good to hear your voices. Or if you want, just take the short poll. Um, you'll start to see that polls are appearing underneath some of the, uh, the podcasts, not all of them. And I'd love it if you would just quickly take a second just to hit the button and let me know what you think or what the question is asking you. Um, this, this helps make the podcast far more interactive and I can then guide future sessions towards what people are feeding back or the answers. OK, so let's try and help each other. Now, as many of you know, I'm trying to bring to the platform different people, not just myself and different people's points of view. And there's a fantastic guy who's writing on Medium, um, Beo Also. I hope I've pronounced your name correctly, my friend. Um, he is UK-based. Um, he's also the director at a great, a great website, theafrohairplug.com. So there's a quick plug for him as well. Um, now, Bayo does not know that I'm posting this up here. Um, I've just been um, reading through a selection of articles um, to really find some things that resonate with me today. And here's Hit Home. And I thought, yeah, actually, this would be a great one to share with my listeners. So, uh, Bayo, um, welcome to the podcast, my friend. OK, if you want to find out more about this article and read it yourself in detail, the link is down below. Obviously, uh, there comes with a complete disclaimer here. These opinions are his point of view, not mine, okay? But I will be commenting about it myself in between what we're talking about. Also, I would just say that it's kindly being shared here to help from an educational point of view, okay? So under the copyright, the copyright remains with Bayo for this. I'm not claiming any copyright on this, to be very clear. The disclaimer is also in the show notes, okay? Bayo, if you're listening and you don't want this up here, just all you have to do is message me and my friend at hello at initial-impact.com and I can remove this for you. But I'm hoping that you would love the fact that it's been reviewed and enjoy having it shared with the rest of the audience. But it is here from an educational point of view and under the Fair Use Act, and for education, it is possible to cite, okay, articles or pieces. Now, in this particular case, let's talk about what it's about, okay? So he's written this post, um, November the 8th, all right? So not that long ago. How post-truth politics destroyed the United Kingdom. Yeah. Um, now, somebody who is obviously an ex-Brit, although you never become an ex-Brit, because even though you can leave Britain, you will always be a citizen of Britain. I think that it is uh, a country that does not allow you to give up your citizenship, even if you wanted to. Um, now, the UK was going down the tubes. Listen to these words. Remember, make this an active listening session, people. It was going down the tubes many, many years ago, probably from about the 2000s, to be honest. 
Um, and certainly when I got to where I was in my life, I'm really in a terrible situation in 2015, 16 onwards. And when I left in 2017, um, it wasn't the type of country that personally I felt that I resonated with. I didn't recognize what was going on in the country. Um, you know, to be, you know, sort of respectful to my fellow Brits, not everybody there, but, you know, the majority of people that I I was able to come into contact with because I was rather isolated towards the end, but that's another conversation about how you can get stuck in a toxic situation. Um, and then we can talk about the, U the UK mental health system, all right? This is my point. It was going to the dogs. The country was going to the dogs. That's a bad thing. You don't want to ever have anything going to the dogs, all right? Um, so it wasn't the sort of place that you would want to bring up children or have a young family. It was just... Uh, a mess okay and it, it appears it looks from what i can see as an outsider now looking in on my own country which is kind of a weird sensation because i don't feel british anymore um i don't know what nationality i feel i think i just feel like a human that's what i feel like and even some days that can be a challenge too so look he's talking about this and how really a lot of things destroy the uk and it is in a in, in terrible mess right most of europe is struggling right now so let's let's look at what he wrote. So he's uh, he's using David Finch's 1999 movie Fight Club um, as a point of reference here. So as he says, the lead character spends most of the runtime talking to themselves, um, so much so that by the end of the movie, they've convinced themselves and several others of many things that they no longer believe. Um, the public charisma, charisma is like charm and kind of, you know, what politicians tend to have, attractiveness of their alter ego. So that's the other side. The side of you that perhaps is bigger than who you really are um, or has other desires that go against who you, you currently are perhaps appearing to be to other people becomes so strong, their message so appealing that there is absolutely nothing they can do to stop the sequence of events that they themselves have put in motion. So to put events in motion means to start things and to you know kick things off. Um, their crusade is bigger than them now and whether or not it has any merits or basis of reality simply does not matter anymore because it's happening and I think a lot of us can identify with that in our lives I know I certainly can it doesn't matter how things started and even if it's even based on anything really of solid substance anymore these days because once you start things rolling it's happening it doesn't matter anymore you've got to do with what you've now got in your hands so as he then says the united kingdom contrary to increasingly popular belief is not a hollywood movie i can identify with that one totally um so what he's saying is that despite it seems that most people are behaving as though it is it is not um and he's saying however if it were then those of us that live here could learn quite a bit from the power of alter egos a lot of our national identities often seeped in it so this is interesting, right? Because I just want to pause it there. Many of my students who um, are obviously not aware of the UK, they have, um, many of you have this kind of rosy tinted spectacle view of what Britain is. And it seems to be, generally it forms into several camps. Either it's full of Harry Potter, that's one thing that tends to come from the Philippines. Um, the other side of it um, is also that uh, many Koreans, um, Japanese students, um, appear to believe that England is like little England, little Britain, you know, like, how can I put it, ancient, medieval, you know, sort of Shakespearean and everybody's having cups of tea and cricket and, and nice cucumber sandwiches and um, everybody's highly polite and speaks in a very enunciated way and just, you know, all of this, which is, sorry, it's the stuff of perhaps 
eons gone by, it maybe once had that. It, it had some quintessential charm, listen to those words. It had something about it that made it uniquely British, absolutely. And that has stuck with it, like, you know, brand Britain, really. But it doesn't exist as a reality. You might find parts of the UK if you go to Stratford-upon-Avon, maybe, possibly, I don't know, the shambles up in York. Um, maybe if you go to Chester in some parts of the, the older area there, you will find these little pockets of what you could identify as like, yeah, it's still going back in time, which was kind of quaint and cute and, and full of history, okay? But the majority, the, the mass of the UK in general, and I know this is a sweeping statement, right? And this is just one person's point of view. I am not the only person who knows what Britain is like, right? And I've not lived there now for quite some years, since 2017, right? So <clears throat> take this for what you will. But certainly somebody who lived most of his life, okay, in the UK, I can absolutely say that from when it started, as in when my clock started ticking in the 1970s to where it is now, it's a totally different animal. I mean, in every way, shape and form. Um, so this is interesting how it's been romanticized by everybody over in Asia. If you speak to people, they have this idea, I've got to go there. And in a way, it was a little bit like when I, I learned French at school and I did exceptionally well in French. I loved French language. And I couldn't wait to go to France to practice it. And here's the funny thing. When I finally got to go to Paris, um, with my then partner um and it was just like it was meant to be the most romantic city in the world right it's got this image that it traded upon but and no disrespect to anybody from france here i was shocked it was shocked it was totally not what i had built up as a construct in my mind now whether that was my failing maybe i you know read too much into what france should be about and and paris is not the entire representation of France, right? I think we have to be clear here, very clear, okay? If you're from Paris, I'm really sorry, okay? So I've got lots of French listeners. I found it very difficult to identify with Paris as I found it compared to what I'd sort of been led to believe from studying French at school and all of these sort of stereotypes, I guess, that I'd been given. So this is the thing. We've got to face reality and really accept things for what they are. But when we go around and we still perpetuate these romanticized half-truths, it doesn't benefit anybody. And as this article then continues to go back to the article, um, it basically says that there is a lot of romanticization, right? The idea of the British as a polite band of taxi drivers, shopkeepers, middle managers, okay? Yet, um, those same right-leaning commentators, so this means people now on the other side, Okay, the people who are saying that they're very conservative also interweave a history of conquest, resilience and overcoming impossible odds. So history which makes a polite, unassuming nation believe it is entitled to much more by birth and by legacy. This is very interesting. So he's saying, I guess, that there seems to be some sort of stirring up amongst the British population that despite us apparently being kind of polite and well-mannered and, well, I think, again, I don't think that really is the, the, the reality, but there you go. Um, and then at the end of the day, he's saying, but we've also got weaved into it this conquest resilience, this kind of, you know, going around the world with a Navy fleet and sadly taking a lot of things from other countries, which is terrible, um, kind of gives this entitled attitude by birth and by legacy still running through there that we are, you know, I say we are. I'm not from there anymore. But the attitude is, we are Great Britain. We are British, right? Okay. But we're not. This is the past and it's gone. 
So as a result, he's saying the alter ego of the taxi driver, that shopkeeper in the middle manager, assumes that of like a, a you know, Rook's drift shop soldier facing off 4,000 Zulu warriors or Ramsgate fishermen rescuing allied soldiers, you know, um, off the coast of Dunkirk. Um, and then right on cue enters the British populist politician, also right-leaning and very well equipped to weaponize the idea that the strong British alter ego has been neutered. That the country once great is now shackled by bureaucrats in Brussels who overrun its towns with migrants and plunder its wealth into hopeless economies. That all this country needs is a little more audacity. The same audacity. What is audacious? It means that daring do, right? The same sort of, you know, zeal and kind of relentless, uh, yeah, I think rebellion in a way. The audacity to do it that built the British Empire that had seen off the German invaders twice. Um, that could build hospitals and schools and put more money in everyone's pockets and perhaps a little more hope in their hearts. That the recessions, the austerities and the unfamiliar families that lived on the street could all be gone and that we could all be free from tyranny once again. Well, let's just pause his comment there. It's interesting. Yes, I can see how that happened with Brexit. It was ridiculous. You know, the same, and this is my personal point of view now, the same argument that was used for forcing the British public, shall we say, back in the 70s to enter into the uh, the EEC, as it was called, and then became the EU, was that, you know, we needed to be not isolated up there, and we probably couldn't rely on ourselves to be self-sufficient for food, so it would be better if we banded with Europe, then we could access food markets, etc., etc. So it seems staggering, I have to say, that then zoom forward many, many, many years later when we had Brexit, and the argument was that we need to be separate, and that we, you know, we should just do our own thing. And it was based on the idea, I feel, that we are the British, you know, we used to be an empire and we could be great. The Navy days are gone. Hello, everybody. Um, and also, it seems to be totally forgotten that the argument that was used to get us into the EU, which is we need to, you know, have greater access to food and shared resources because we can't be self-sufficient with, obviously, how we currently are. Why was that forgotten? Because if you remove yourself, as is now being seen, food prices go up and everything because of tariffs and we can't grow enough food as an island. So this was just absolutely ridiculous. It was just nonsense. But again, it wasn't for the people. It never was for the people. This is the, the thing. Um, and, you know, I have to say that I, I suppose I'm being outspoken here, but I actually don't care anymore because I've got nothing to lose myself, to be honest with you. It is an absolute farce what is happening with the politics um, in general. I think worldwide, it's an absolute nonsense. The only people who benefit are the politicians. The general people like you and me and the people in the streets who have to deal with these politicians' decisions are the ones who suffer. And we should be really clear when we talk about there is a big difference between the citizens of these countries and the politicians of these countries. And that I am very, very clear about. You know, I have plenty in the past of Russian students and Ukrainian students, and it can be a hard conversation. But invariably, both sets of those students, even though their countries are at war, and it's it's despicable, the, the amount of loss and carnage, regardless of the whys and the wherefores and how it's been portrayed in the media. I don't want to get into that. But the point I'm making is that the citizens of the countries, they are both in the same situation. Regardless, slightly different. OK, maybe not being bombed in one country, which, again, is totally different. But what I'm trying to say is that they are having to live with their politicians running their countries and doing things that maybe they have not backed. We had this in the UK. Look at the Iraq war. Look at things like that. So once again, here we go again with what's happened in Britain, going back to this article, is that 
in a way, it's been weaponized. Okay, this idea is an interesting statement, right? If you weaponize something, it means taking something and making it far more dangerous than it originally could ever have been or should ever have been. Okay, and of course, the argument was that we need to get out of Europe because this is the reason why we don't have enough um, <laughs> we don't have enough hospital capacity, we don't have enough school places for our children, we don't have enough blah blah blah. Right, it may be partly true some of it. I don't know because I am no expert on this. This is what I'm saying. I'm no expert here. All I do know is that this problem wasn't just built by being part of the EU. That's the point here. Okay, and it's all just one big machine that's been built anyway to just the world is a corporation. Hello, people, wake up. It's much bigger than your country or individual governments. It's far, far bigger. So this is a real, um, I suppose what I'm trying to say is to, to try and wake up people if you're not awake or to open your eyes a little bit to look far beyond your immediate situation here. It goes much wider. And, you know, as this gentleman here is saying, Bayo is saying, um, you know, we had then, of course, this whole idea that we get behind this, this initiative, this idea, just like Fight Club. It doesn't matter if this is now based on reality because now it's happening. This was the problem. So, of course, it was a very loose association with the truth. There was no real, um, like I said a minute ago, there was far more to the fact that our schools didn't have enough places. It's to do with the governments and the successive previous governments as well, not putting enough into education. Yes, we had more people coming into the country because of immigration just, you know, open door. And to be honest, Britain was the laughing stock of the rest of the world. People I used to speak to when even I lived out in Spain used to say, well, it's, you can just walk in, right? Hey, so we were known for that. So in a way, the problem was that policy, that policy. Our attitude towards it, we didn't have a policy maybe like Australia or New Zealand or can Canada or, you know, where we checked on people's um, skill set and actually could they benefit the economy? Would they be able to contribute? And how would this work with the current situation that we've got on our current population and our needs? So this was all very messy. <clears throat> this is very messy. But to say it's all to do with Europe and this is, is totally a grand, wild, sweeping statement. A sweeping statement, people, means it's too general. It's trying to just say, yeah, well, it's all to do with this and not really going to the specifics of it, right? Okay. And it would take far more than this podcast session to, to, to make this clear. So please, you know, take what I'm saying with a little bit of a pinch of salt. In other words, don't take it all at face value what I'm saying. Another idiom, because I would want to go into far more nuance if you and I were speaking in person. But I'm trying to look at this article and give you some nice high level vocab and you can hear how it's used as well as get you thinking about some of the concepts. OK, there is my kind of okay caveat with this. So in 2016, Brexit happened. Right. And there we are. The whole world can see this alter ego that nationalism was cool again. I think it's a dangerous thinking, to be honest. And that the plucky underdog island could, you know, tiny little island. I mean, we can fit inside the state of Texas, as, as obviously Bayo says, had restored its independence from foreign meddling. But now what, as he says? No, seriously, what happens next? Exactly. How does this, this all work, practically speaking? Nobody had thought it through. It was just like, hurrah, we're going to go and do it. And it's like, oh, actually, we haven't thought how this will, will pan out, how this will eventually revolve, right? Okay. Nobody, it seemed, had got to that point. And as he says, that isn't actually a specific question concerning Brexit, but post-truth politics as a general phenomenon, because 
the political power of telling people exactly what they want and appealing to their collective ego or alter or otherwise now works too well. You can't miss. You supercharge it, as he says, by social media and global crisis after global crisis, the appetite for there to be someone, anyone to have a silver bullet to save us all grows more powerful by the day. Now, I would say, yeah, a silver bullet is like something that will magically solve everything. One shot with that, everything will be fixed. People, here's the news flash. The only people who can try to fix your life is you. Not your mum, not your dad, certainly not the government. Sorry, okay? It will not. If you rely on the government, you will be dead. And that is a serious statement. That's not a, that is a sweeping statement. That's a big statement for me to make. But I honestly believe that. Do not rely on your government to save you, okay? Now, it's difficult in some countries because, as we know, some countries are set up where the government literally runs everything. That is really hard. But that doesn't mean that you still can't try to look after yourself. So you've got to think about what you personally can do. How can you be self-sufficient if something were to happen? Again, look at the COVID crisis. We saw it here in the Philippines, for example. It's happened all over the world, right? But people have to be self-sufficient and have you got enough food? How can you feed yourself? Can you get access to clean water? Always think about these things. Now, I might sound like uh, something out of the Bible there and Noah in his ark saying it's going to flood, it's going to flood. Right. But the point is, well, so what? Even if it never happens, at least you'll be prepared. So what have you got to lose? So just think about your situation right now. Don't think your government will step in and save the day. We saw this in Greece. Um you know, uh, when when the banking crisis of 2008 happened, um, the Greek government, I mean, what they did with the Greek people and Greece is now, and, I'm, and if I've got any listeners in Greece, I think I possibly do actually looking at the stats, okay? You'll know yourself. Your country is still in a mess. What they promised you, has it happened? I'd be interested to hear what you think. So the point is this, do not look to your government. Do not look to your government, okay? But as, as we go on in this article, so what did happen next to the UK? Well, in the aftermath of a post-truth politics coup, our populist politicians did have a goodwill period to make good on their impractical pledges or simply deny they ever existed. So pledges are like your promises. You're kind of, yes, this is going to happen. I vow this will happen. So Nigel Farage, he was well known at the time, got to go on tour with Donald Trump. Boris Johnson got to be Prime Minister, um, but given that the ship had already hit the iceberg, this didn't leave them with much time. In the case of Brexit, somebody had to figure out a way to secure an exit from the EU that had every incentive to make this as uncomfortable and impractical as possible. So all the while, preserving peace in Northern Ireland, trade tariffs that didn't bring ports to a standstill and hassle-free travel around Europe. Nobody could agree on how this could be done for the very simple reason that this could not be done, at least not in the way it was promised. And now there was water on the deck. If there's water on the deck, that's a nice expression. It means, okay, the ship is now starting to take on board water, which could sink it, right? And people were starting to realize that, oh, all may not be well. Subsequently, okay, subsequently means after that. So therefore, populist politician after pop, uh, populist politician, that's a good tongue twister, right? Each more sure than the last in their ability to deliver on the undeliverable. Their pledges were refined, but none would so much as dare deviate, that means move away, deviate too heavily from public expectation. Of course not, because if politicians do that, they're going to be voted out of office, certainly in Britain. 
None would enter a tighter association with the truth. And even if they did, it didn't matter since as a nation, we had decided to fight on a lie. And we decided to die on a lie. So if you fight on a lie, they say you die on a lie. It means you've got to keep going, even if it is absolute nonsense. Now, I know this myself from my personal experience fairly recently, okay? When people, other people, start to fight on a lie, they have to keep going with their lies. And this is the problem. It's an absolute then fight to the death. Slowly but surely, the ship started to sink. And each attempt to appease the nation became more extreme, sending refugees to Rwanda, greater tax breaks for the rich. Absolutely nothing was off the table except, of course, the truth. Of course, we can't have the truth because ooh, I think the people of Britain would be very angry with the truth. Right. So, again, we're now in a fight to kind of stay afloat here. OK. Um, now, here's, he says these are extreme times for many people and extreme times lead to extreme politics from what you've seen in Hungary, Italy, France, Brazil, and of course, the United States of America. The hard right populist has become more palatable for many, which is a worry. It is a concern. But the UK should remain an example to the world, he says, on what actually happens next. After post-truth politics, after the big lie, the same country that, and I agree with this, that lectures the rest of the world on, demo on democracy has had three prime ministers this year, two of whom 99% of the country did not vote for. Think about that. So Britain goes around telling the world to be democratic and this is how you do it. I totally agree with this. There's so many things that the UK purports and says and pontificates and says that it stands for, like equality and human rights. Well, I know myself as somebody who suffered myself from the lack in this country of assistance Human rights, you want to talk about mental health support and everything, I was left, left to rot, okay? This country says one thing and does another. And frankly speaking, there are many more corrupt countries out there, shall we say, all right? Not just the UK. The difference is, if you go to certain countries in the world, it's quite overt, right? That this is what you've got. And there is corruption. And it's in your face. And to be honest with you, I actually say I would prefer to live in a corrupt country that is very obvious about it. And I've got to be careful about what I'm saying now, I guess. But the point I'm making is this. At least they're honest about it. At least you know what you're dealing with. Because it's like being in a war. If you can see the enemy, if they're, they are literally like sat there, you know, with, with sadly weapons, right? you know where the bullets are coming from. You know where to go and where not to go. If you don't want to get hit. The UK, for example, says one thing, even its legal system says one thing. I've had recent experience of that myself and then completely goes against the letter of the law. OK, and it's got to stop. It's got to stop because it's two faced. So the UK is a big problem. It has almost like a personality disorder, I would say, because it says one thing and then behaves another way. It stabs people in the back. Mostly it's citizens, good citizens. OK, and that makes me very angry, very, very angry. So, yeah, I would rather live in a developing country or some other nation in the world. Where, OK, at least you can see it for what it is. I'm not saying that it's good. We shouldn't have this full stop, this type of level of either corruption or two facedness or this lying. You know, I don't know what you want to call it, to be honest with you. It's just despicable. But the point I'm making, this article really hit home, as you can probably tell from how incensed I'm sounding now. That's a good one. I'm kind of, you know, I can't believe this, right? Okay. So when we look at it, as he goes on to say, there have been more chancellors than I can ever recall. An interest rate hike out of line with initial expectations and a stern ticking off from the IMF. The first world problems meme may now be broken. Fight Club ends with the lead character finally coming to a state of acceptance and accountability for what they've done. 
but only after their alter egos blown up a collection of credit rating agencies, reset the financial world completely. Whether or not the UK is heading in that direction remains to be seen, but Prime Minister number five in the last six years has the same front row seat as the rest of us. I agree with that guy, certainly. It remains to be seen. I hope and pray that the UK can sort itself out. But frankly speaking, the bigger thing that the UK, I believe, has to do here is stop saying it is one thing when it is not anymore. Okay, because as I say, I personally have been let down by the system in the UK. Many thousands others, probably countless others have as well. Okay, I know plenty of people who are trying to access mental health services, particularly in the UK, being just hung out to dry and just being left. Okay, you know, scores of people just have wasted potential because they couldn't get the right help. Also, when we look at the, the system in the UK, as I say, it goes around lecturing the rest of the world on what is right and what is just on equality and, and all of these protections. These protections in law mean nothing if they are not implemented by the judges and the court system of the UK. And again, that's another conversation altogether. But I hope this has given you food for thought. We're going to have to end the podcast now because we're nearly coming to 30 minutes. All right, It's been a long one. But look, listen to the vocab. Try to use some of that vocab yourself. What do you think about the UK? As a, as a person from another country, I'd love to know. So please message into the programme. You can hit that, uh, message me, and you can record me a short message. I'd love to know your thoughts on whether this has shocked you about how the UK really is and what is going on compared to what the rest of the world has tried to show the UK. Stay safe, everybody. If you love this podcast, spread it far and wide. And don't forget, sign up to my newsletter. I'll see you soon. Take care. Sorry to jump in at the end of your podcast, but I wanted to say a big thank you for listening. And if you love the podcast and would like to help me keep them free, do consider sponsoring me. You can subscribe for as little as 99 cents a month to sponsor a segment. Or if you want to do something as a one-off, you can click the link again in the show notes and buy me a coffee. It's a great way to help me spread this word as far and wide as possible to people like yourself who perhaps can't afford to get high-level coaching but need to access this information all the same i really appreciate your help and a big thank you for doing so also if you are somebody looking to get into coaching maybe you're an english coach or perhaps you are another professional maybe you're a life coach or you might be a mental health counselor basically anybody who is in a caring or supportive profession or maybe you you coach people in different academic subjects I'd like to feature your podcast on my show and give you a chance to reach my audience. Yes, totally free of charge. All you have to do is follow the links down below in the show notes to find out how you can connect with me and send me your files. I will upload them to the show and you can basically reach my audience and build your own business. There are no catches at all. I'm simply here to offer my platform to help as many other professionals in a related field as myself to reach as many students as we can. And together, I believe we can do a lot better. Thank you for listening again. See you soon.